Hello everybody and welcome to the Cane and Rinse podcast, volume 6, issue 298. And we're going to be talking today about Mario Kart 64. You can play along with what's left of this volume of the show, which is only two more podcasts. And those happen to be Call of Duty, the original Call of Duty 1 or Call of Duty Classic, if you prefer. Uh, and then we'll be covering The Witcher 3, Hearts of Stone and Blood and Wine DLCs. Head to canerince.com for the mini schedule, but soon we'll be revealing next year's lineup of shows. It'll only be 50 because we didn't hit our grand financial target, but another 50 Cane and Rinse podcasts covering games in the way that you love, hopefully, uh, will be coming your way in 2018. Yes, that is the year, isn't it? We also have uh, articles and features and the very occasional review, as well as links to our other channels of interest, Facebook, uh, YouTube uh, forum and all that stuff. Uh, the forum, I know, it's uh, it seems like a uh, an anachronistic idea, but actually we have a lot of members and we have a lot of good, intelligent, friendly conversation. So it's worth signing up if you're fed up with the other social media spaces, uh, which are a bit more like the Wild West. If you enjoy what we do, you can support us in a number of ways. Uh, best of all, you can uh, donate a dollar a month or more if you prefer via our Patreon patreon.com slash cane and rinse that's like less than a euro around 80 pence or thereabouts for the many hours of podcast we put your way each month and if you prefer to get something tangible in return for your hard-earned cash we have a shop shop.spreadshirt.co.uk t-shirts and bags which feature our logo uh, for the cane and rinse show and also sound of play which is our other podcast all about video games music and we feature uh, some cool guests on that and we listen to the actual tunes and it's uh, it's a really good time please review rate and subscribe to both of our podcasts on itunes or wherever else you get them from if you can it really does help a lot and so to the show joining me leon cox in issue 298 are darren <clears throat> hold on battle not bad not bad mm. uh leah hey Woohoo! not bad not bad and what what on earth has mikhil got lined up for us I'm gonna win. <laughs> I thought it might be something along those lines. Hello, Mikhail Croder. Hey. Right, Mario Kart 64. Then, so we covered Super Mario Kart uh, some months back earlier this year. This series will continue sporadically. Nothing's been announced for next year yet, but uh, we may return with uh, one or more shows re- relating to this series. So we should remember that uh, this was the first ever sequel, official sequel. Obviously, there had been clones and things like that to Mario Kart. The rules hadn't been really set. And obviously, this also marked the change from uh, manipulated 2D into 3D sprites into Nintendo's early days with polygons, or at least most of the graphics are polygons, but not all of them. We'll get onto that. Production of the game began in 1995 under the title Super Mario Kart R, the R standing for rendered, and the intention was for it to be a launch game for the Nintendo 64, but in the end they decided to focus more resources on that other game, Super Mario 64, which we covered a few years ago. Search that podcast out. There was some uh, brief early footage shown at Shoshinkai, the software exhibition in Japan in November 1995. Shigeru Miyamoto, uh, producer at the time, said that was a 95% complete version of the game, uh, but they chose not to display a playable version due to the logistics of demonstrating multiplayer. Uh, the prototype featured the feather item, which was uh, a big favourite from Super Mario Kart, and also Magic Cooper, uh, or Kamek, was one of the eight playable characters 
who ended up being replaced by Donkey Kong. And that is Donkey Kong's debut because, of course, as we established, Donkey Kong Jr. was the uh, simian character in Super Mm. Mario Kart and rare uh, developer of the, uh, of course, Silicon Graphics engine-driven Donkey Kong Country games actually provided Nintendo with uh, their own character model for the have many frames of animation it is uh, for these pre-rendered sprites that they used. Uh, So Hideki Kono was the director on this one and uh, he had previously directed Super Mario Kart. Uh, He went back earlier. His first game for Nintendo was Doki Doki Panic, a.k.a. Super Mario Bros. 2. Also worked on Super Mario Bros. 3 and uh, went on to direct Super Mario World 2 Yoshi's Island after Kart uh, and is still uh, involved with Nintendo as a producer these days, having produced Mario Kart 7, 8 and 8 Deluxe, as you'd expect, as well as Fire Emblem Heroes. Miyamoto, as I said, was a producer. Tadashi Sugiyama, uh, whose first game was Ice Climber, I believe, which uh, I know obviously still has something of a following as uh, Ice Climbers are a fixture of Smash. Also worked, as we discussed some time ago, on Zelda 2, The Adventure of Link. Also worked uh, on Doki Doki Panic with Kono, Pilot Wings and, uh, and the first Super Mario Kart as well. Uh, and the composer was a Nintendo Nintendo debutante, Kenta Nagata, and we'll talk about his music in a bit. The game came out in December uh, in Japan, December 1996, ready for Christmas. North America had to wait until February, so it missed the, uh, the holiday uh, window for that one, 1997. And of course, over in Europe, we had to wait until the summer for some reason, June the 24th, 1997. And yes, we got an inferior version that ran in 50 hertz and had Big black borders, top and bottom of the screen, and slightly squished graphics. Game also came out on the IQ player. Darren Gargett. <laughs> You've got one of these, haven't you? And it still hasn't left its box since the first time, because I am scared <laughs> of it exploding. No, you can use a step-down converter, presumably. But um, remind me, what format did games come on for the IQ player? It was kind of like an N64 memory card. Oh, okay. so very similar to that, you know, that little kind of squat little thing that sits in the back yeah. of the controller. The controller is... The N64 itself, it looks kind of similar to the Dreamcast controller, if you were to mm. give it a rough, you know, touch point. And yeah, you downloaded the games from Chinese stores, apparently. Um, but I, I managed to power it on once and nothing came on the telly. So I thought, bye-bye, and put it back in this box. And it's just sat on top shelf ever since. So it's a pure, it's it's like the sort of trinket you'd find if you were in a, in a game, like an Uncharted game, and you were searching through somebody's collection of stuff, you'd pick it up you'd tilt your hand left and right and go oh interesting and then put it back it's just there purely as a fanboy symbol to myself going yeah i've got one of them and, yeah. Uh, yeah. and you never played mario kart 64 on it obviously no. only two more releases for mario kart 64 at the time of recording on the wii virtual console in january 2007 that's like nearly 11 years ago now, <laughs> uh, frighteningly enough. Uh, but more recently, it came out, came out on Wii U Virtual Console, January 2016 in uh, the UK and Europe. And hurrah, we finally got the 60 hertz US NTSC version. Oddly, that version didn't come out in Japan at all. And they had to wait until December of 2016 for it to come out in the USA. Uh, no idea why that was. Just scheduling, I suppose. So reviews at the time were generally 
good to excellent even with uh, an average score of 87.01%, 20 reviews. But I do remember some naysaying. Uh, the Metacritic score is 83 from just 15 reviews. Nintendo Life, when it's re-reviewed them for virtual console releases, has uh, given it 8 out of 10 each time. And the user scores on Metacritic are 8.7 and on the Nintendo Life 8.4, uh, both from only uh, 100 or 300 uh, odd reviews. So not huge amounts of sort of support for it, but you can see at least that everything's in the sort of mid eights bracket, uh, which is probably lower than you might expect for a Mario Kart game, and especially one that was so popular as this. The game sold 9.87 million copies worldwide, making it the second best selling game on the Nintendo 64. So uh, let's do our histories with the game. Let's start with Leah. I'm sure that I've mentioned this before, but uh, the Nintendo 64 was the first console that I bought myself, like with my own money. Uh, I was in college and I wanted to have this console. So I purchased one and um, I did not have that many games for it. Uh, And somehow I missed out on a lot of the like super popular games. Like I did not have um, a copy of any either of the uh, the Zelda games that came out for it, uh, surprisingly enough. But um, they were expensive. Yeah, they were. I'm not sure how exactly I chose my my uh, my games, but uh, one of the ones that I I did end up with was Mario Kart 64 and I played a lot of that game. Um, dorms are kind of the ideal place to do something yeah. like that because you've always got people around who might wander in and join in a game. But surprisingly, I think that most of well, I won't say most, but I will say that a uh, significant chunk of what I played of this game was actually just the single player. Uh, I would just go through mm. the uh, go through the the races and the circuits by myself, and um, just kind of time trial against myself. Uh, and yeah, I I played a lot of uh, of Mario Kart sixty four because it was one of the few things at that time that I had to do. <laughs> Darren, so you've got it on, no, you haven't got it on IQ Player, but I know you were uh, famously a keen early adopter of the Nintendo 64. Yeah, I was trying to work it all out before this recording, and uh, I, th- I think I got it you know, soon after release, but I definitely picked it up secondhand. So whether someone got it in, you know, it was in the uh, lower review bracket in their brain, they traded it in, but I definitely, mm. it, was, it was definitely my joint first uh, N64 game uh, alongside Wave Race 64. Yeah, I honestly couldn't be more happy with life at that point. I remember rushing home, telling my mates that I'd gone in 64. I think they were well into their PlayStation at the moment. So it seemed a bit of a, that pool of friends weren't really into um, Nintendo. And looking back at that year, 97, like there's just so many releases that come out in that year. It's really hard to piece it all together. But yeah, um, Mario Kart 64, got it round about July, August-ish, because then I remember bumping into Will, who was playing GoldenEye, and that came out in August, end of August. I've had many iterations on the N64 since I've had the... I've got the American one now. I had the PAL one mm. back then. I had yeah. the Japanese big box version, which came with a black and grey controller. Um, oh, yes. My mum sold it at a car boot for 50p. Oh. Oh, oh. Yeah, yeah oh. That, that doesn't hurt a, a much. Um, Mrs. Gargett, shame <laughs> on you. Yeah, you know, you have to let these things go, though. Although I haven't. Um, yeah. And, you clearly haven't. Yeah. Um, and I haven't bought it on any console since because I'm so connected to that game being on the N64 that I don't mm. really want to play it anywhere else. Fair enough. Leah, you, uh, you've been back to it for the show virtual yes, console? I have. Yes. Uh, I played on the, uh, the Wii virtual console. Uh, I don't. I didn't actually check the Wii U to see if I had purchased it on there. I don't think that I have. Um, but it. You can. 
upgrade for a like two dollars or something yeah, well, to the Wii U version if if you can be bothered. Yeah, I I, I did have it plugged in. Uh, my Wii plugged in though, uh, so I went ahead and I knew I had it on there. So uh, that that's where Outrageous. I've been. Uh, I know that's where like I've some been. Co- kind of hardcore gamer. <laughs> Weird. <laughs> I need more. Uh, I need more ports on my TV actually. But yeah. um, but yeah. So that's that's where I've been playing uh, my kind of refresher courses. Um, I'm still pretty good. Not great, yeah. but still pretty yeah, yeah. good. <laughs> Same here. Yeah, so I, I bought this day two, I believe. I, I can't remember why. I remember getting it on the Saturday morning. I'm pretty sure it was something like fifty four ninety nine uh, in pounds in the mid-90s. That was a lot of money. And I suspect the reason I didn't get it on the Friday was because I was thinking I couldn't really afford it. And then, of course, by the Saturday, you're so desperate to have it and find <laughs> some way of, of uh, getting the money together or trading something you didn't really want to trade. Or, or I can't remember exactly. But anyway, had to have it, got it, uh, played the heck out of it for the next six years probably until mm-hmm. until the gamecube version came out which uh, which sort of replaced it in um in in on the playlist for me and my friend pete who played this a ton this used to be an absolute fixture of our multiplayer nights the pal in 64 version either at his or at mine um i played it through the, i played through the single player all all the cups to gold and uh, on on all the CCs and the extras in one day when I first got the game. Uh, it was considerably less challenging to do that than uh, on the previous game, Super Mario Kart. We talk about the AI and so on in a bit. The mode we tended to play was uh, two-player Grand Prix, and we used to play 16 tracks in a row quite often. So it would be a case of... So actually, sometimes we'd leave off Rainbow Road because it was such a slog. We'd do 15, and then it would mean that we could we wouldn't have a tie. We wouldn't have an eight-all. So um, I think it's fair to say... I, I expect people, people listen to this at some point. I think it's fair to say I won more than more times than I didn't win. But uh, there were a few memorable nights when, uh, after a few glasses of wine, Pete got the better of me. So, uh, I mean... In the game and uh, uh yeah it, it was I, I just don't know how many times we played through all these tracks so uh of course i rebought it on wii virtual console and completed it all again in one sitting or two sittings and i finally bought i was very pleased to finally get the 60 hertz uh, us version on wii u when that came out i did the upgrade thing but i've just played through it just uh, this last week uh just um over a couple of couple or three sessions got all the golds again across all the cups uh, including the mirrored tracks uh, so yeah i have played this a lot how about you mikhil i got this game as soon as it uh, came out in uh, 1997 what i vividly remember about it is that it really became the excuse to shell out for three extra controllers or maybe i had two already at the time but yeah. at least fill all the uh, controller ports on the uh, on the n64 uh, which I was, uh, yeah, it was kind of like in a time where, you know, that that was my only console. So um, I was kind of obsessive uh, about looking at the screen and seeing the, the four player options and, and not mm. being able to, to make good use of that. And to be fair, also, we got a lot of, I got a lot of friends uh, coming over around, uh, around in those days as well. And a lot of multiplayer sessions, played a lot of multiplayer of it uh, over the course of maybe six months before Diddy Kong Racing came out and I sold off uh, Mario Kart 64 and bought Diddy Kong Racing instead. A lot of people did, I think. Mm. And we covered Diddy Kong Racing uh, way back when on Kane and Rinse. Search that one out via the website or 
iTunes or whatever. We are now hitting a point where some of the earlier shows are disappearing off of iTunes because of their limit. But uh, I think Diddy Kong Racing will still be there. You can get it from the web- website anyway. I think the all of us on the show had a lot of fond memories of uh, playing Diddy Kong Racing in single player, despite its occasional frustrations. Um, but I think we also felt that uh, in the multiplayer department, it was somewhat lacking compared to Mario Kart 64. That's the only thing that made me regret uh, yeah. selling off Mario Kart 64. But uh, yeah, I, I had, by the time uh, Diddy Kong Racing came out, I had a lot of misgivings about Mario Kart 64 already. So, sure. Yeah. Yes, you and many others. Uh, we will definitely get into that. Uh, we had an email some time back from uh, occasional correspondent uh, Matt Sharawara. Mario Kart 64 represents a constant that has carried through all the friendships in the many stages of my life so far. As it was the first ever video game purchased for me, it was shared by my primary school friends on weekends and, if we were lucky, after school on weekdays. We'd sit too close to the television and fight over who had to use the dud grey controller and the wonky control stick. Thanks for that one, Mario Party. In high school, it stuck around. Halo was the main draw, but in between bouts, Mario Kart would make a reappearance, sometimes stealing the limelight in the process. Even in university, among a whole new cast of friends, Mario Kart stuck around. It wasn't quite as wholesome a pastime as those scabby-kneed primary school days. Mario Kart became more of a drinking game, or sometimes a pastime for people indulging in the exact kind of recreational activities you'd expect from university students. That made the overbearing assault of colour from Rainbow Road quite an amusing experience and, of course, to quote Bill Clinton, I did not inhale. As it stands now in a post-university world, I'm a rapidly ageing old man fully engaged in the workforce and becoming more sensible and adult every day. But here stays Mario Kart, still with me and my revolving group of friends decades after its first appearance. Sometimes it's the virtual console version. Sometimes, if we can be bothered, it's that same original cartridge, yanked out of the cupboard and dusted off one more time. I have no other toy like this, no possession that has carried through so many stages of my life, through all of my friendships. It remains a constant, and in it one thing remains constant too. I have always, and will always, play as Peach. Why? Because as a kid, I noticed that of all the characters, my friends hated to lose to her the most. <laughs> That's often true still. Yeah. So it's easy to write about why I chose her. But when constructing this correspondence, I had to stop and ask myself, why was it that people detested racing, racing against her so much? Was it the sexist getting angry that they were being overtaken by a woman in a bright pink gown? Fellow feminists annoyed by her stereotypical shallowness? Possibly, yes, but I also think that it's down to her vocal clips. Most sound terribly stilted, and that's annoying enough in itself, but there's one that is delivered with a wonderfully high-pitched smugness that really crawls under the skin. Bingo, bye-bye. That's not me doing the voice. <laughs> Just take a moment to imagine it. You're in first place, metres from the finish line, when suddenly a red shell careens into you and your chances of victory evaporate as a rush of pink overtakes you from the right. Bingo, bye-bye. It must be torture. I wouldn't know as she's always my character and will be for decades to come. Luigi has this really funny soundbite as well where he goes, Bingo! Oh! This <laughs> yeah. really stupid little laugh he has. Uh, I can still hear yeah. the bingo bye-bye from Peach in my head. So, you know, it, it, yeah. it definitely... Um, I, I didn't have the same yeah. feelings of like, girl, women overtaking me, but that, that sound quote bite thing definitely yeah. rings in my brain as like, oh, you... 
I already hated Peach from the Super Nintendo version, uh, and I and I yeah I still haven't really come to terms with why that would be. Um, the, uh, but I think the, the best part is um, I I I, ha- I also play as Peach uh, for much the same reason, uh, and um, yes, it's wonderful when you have a row of uh, banana peels and a bunch of people just hit them one after the other, mm. and so it's just bingo, bye bye, bingo, bye bye, just over and over again. Yeah. <laughs> really good. Definitely should have got you to do the voice. Uh, so. <laughs> Actually, that that brings us to uh, the first item on the agenda, really, which is the localization, because the voices are all different in the Japanese version. Um, some of them sound quite similar, but they have all been re-recorded. Uh, but in some cases, obviously, Charles Martinet has uh, come in and done his thing. In fact, he's done overtime, because whereas the Japanese original has a, a traditional kind of um, menu announcer with a kind of, you mm-hmm. know, that kind of wave race, monkey ball kind of thing going on, or Smash Brothers, yeah. uh, in the US and, and European versions, it's just Charles Martinet mm-hmm. doing battle and verses mm. and all that kind of stuff so i don't know what the the sort of rationale behind that was uh one fewer voice actor to hire or or what but um i actually quite like the japanese original yeah. um some of the voice samples are um sort of grammatically quite interesting because the characters are speaking sort of cod english but uh, but in the original japanese they're sort of saying some slightly curious things it's worth hearing it's worth just seeking it out just to, to hear the differences but obviously I think the sound for this game is so ingrained in our mm-hmm. minds uh, <laughs> because of its nature oh, when I first got the Japanese version after playing the PAL version right, oh, yeah. the, the kids screaming at you on the main menu the splash screen Mario Kart <laughs> you're like what the hell's going on I didn't even know that about about this until the other day that was so cool yeah, yeah it like it reminds me of Diddy Kong Racing where the kids are laughing at the start you know so there's that connection there uh, but yeah, it's just so in your face compared to, you know, the quiet version of the power version, you know, with uh, yeah, yeah. the Mario card. But yeah, the kids screaming is just, you know, it's typical Nintendo and it's brilliant. Yeah. As an aside, yeah. the, the, the kids, kitty laughter in uh, Diddy Kong's racing intro is kind of a stuck sound used in uh, a lot of horror, horror yeah, movies I've as well. Yeah, I've heard it. <laughs> I don't think in terms of localization there was there were too many differences. The uh, I think the, the the most famous one other than the voices is probably the fact that the, uh, the hoardings, the advertisings around the tracks in the Japanese version are very deliberately kind of uh, oh. parodies of actual companies. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I saw in all the, the pre-release screenshots, I saw like Mar- Mario Row, like a, like a Marlboro mm-hmm. uh, yeah. parody and stuff like that. But I actually thought it was taken out in all versions that they just didn't go through no. with it. No, oh, interesting. I think it's, it's certainly in the early versions in Japan. I think there's a 1.0 and a 1.1 car. I could be mm. mistaken about that, but I couldn't find sort of huge breakdowns of, of wild differences. And I think as we'll get into with the shortcut section, uh, certainly they didn't go around fixing the many, many exploits that this game has. So uh, those are all still in there in all versions. And, and basically the PAL version was the US version slower. Um, so now playing the Wii U virtual console version, which is the US car. I see no differences other than it runs at the correct speed, which is Mm. nice. So we have to take ourselves back talking about uh, our impressions of the art then and now. This is specifically, I want to talk about the art first rather than the technical side. We'll, We'll do both. This is already in terms of art a different looking game to its predecessor like it couldn't obviously it's recognizably a mario characters in carts game but because of the very very specific look of the original and it had its split screen that was always there no matter what mode you were playing in um everything looked different this is in polygons you've got slightly you know different color palette and everything else now 
people who have listened to the Super Mario Kart podcast will sort of may or may not remember how we felt about the ga- that game. Uh, now, I really like that game, but I was never really, really good at it. And I never sort of really fell in love with it, I think, for that reason. So I didn't. I wasn't quite as wedded to Super Mario Kart as as some, I think, but um, but I did still have some misgivings about the change of sort of um, detailed pixel art into uh, polygon art, as I had about the industry in general at that point. But that said, even though I don't think this was in some ways a technical tour de force for the for the console, um, when I got it in my hands, it was very exciting to be kind of existing in what I knew was actually a 3D space with with mm-hmm. hills and, mm-hmm. and valleys and things like that. But I think overall, it um, the colour palette is a little less uh, vibrant than, than Super. Mm. Super Mario Kart's colour palette is also a bit pastel, isn't it? So the uh, Mario Kart 64 is a, a bit uh, darker and more saturated at the same time. This may be straying too far into the technical side, but I, I don't remember things looking quite as... I hate to say blurry because that's that's not <laughs> quite that's not quite what no, I well but it, I think it's fair <laughs> as indistinct they are sharper in the uh, in super um, which I did not get particularly into super either it never felt quite right to me and I I think that's because I probably didn't play very much of super until I had already played quite a lot of sixty four um, but at the same time I I thought that the the way that 64 handled felt better to me, but the look of it, well, it suffers from the same problems that a lot of 64 games do and a lot of those those pre-rendered character designs do in that when I was playing it on a very small TV in my dorm mm-hmm. room, it was fine and I didn't really notice anything bad about it. Playing it on a 55 inch, um, you know, HDTV, you start to think everything just isn't in focus. So I think at the time I did not have a problem with the art style at all um, or the way that it is rendered technically. Now Mm. I, I still think that there are bonuses to it. I think that the the tracks themselves have more character than the ones in Super did. But at the same time, the characters, yeah, it's tough looking at them now. Mm. For me, and I had this problem already uh, on release, uh, the game looks substantially worse than many other uh, first-party Nintendo uh, 64 titles because of this strange mixture of the 2D pre-rendered sprites on top of the polygonal 3D backgrounds. Mm. Uh, and they are blurry, as you said. Yeah, It seemed to be almost like a, a compression thing with the, uh, with the N64. And here we go yeah. into the technical side of thing already. Because a yeah, lot of, a lot of uh, games that had 2D sprites had this sort of blurriness uh, to mm-hmm. them. You know, y- Yoshi's story su- suffered from the same thing if you would zoom in uh, to sniff around uh, looking for melons, for example. And uh, Killer Instinct Gold looked uh, pretty... The, the sprites in that game looked pretty awful. Mm. Liam was saying... He was looking forward to get into this sense of being in a 3D world uh, in a Mario game. And I had the exact yeah. same thing looking at the screenshots before the game's release, like Shaco Mountain. Oh, you can go through real tunnels this time, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. There's no 
there's no flat landscapes anymore mm. uh, but that whole sense of being got kind of destroyed with the 2D sprites laid, on, uh, laid over on top of it it's uh, mm. it's almost like a suspension of disbelief kind of thing you know like I couldn't sus- suspend my disbelief at the at the thing uh, and it would have been different if even if the, the if they would have used 3D models for the characters even if they would have been re- really rudimentary they would still feel more like hmm. solid solid objects in that place that's interesting and it, it does make a certain amount of sense and I think this is going to be a very much uh, horses for courses kind of thing so I assume the, the reasons they would have used these rendered sprites for multiple reasons one I assume they believed that or they felt they could uh, give more imbue more detail and personality on, on the characters by not using kind of low polygon models um, but also that it would reduce the load on the N64 so this is yeah. a game this is interesting and it's a game that runs optimally at 30 frames a second although it actually calculates internally it calculates at 60 frames per sec but it, it, it displays at 30 the multiplayer in four player split screen considerably lower although the virtual console uh, versions actually optimise that so it's uh, so it's uh, it's actually you know smoother to play in, in multiplayer on on the Wii or, or Wii U. I think that looking at the main Mario sprite in Mario 64, they obviously worked wonders with that. And it's quite funny now when you, uh, this is a mild, mild spoiler for Super Mario Odyssey, but you can get a, a Mario 64 skin for your for your Mario in there. And it's quite funny how how he looks when he's wearing that. And I'm not, it's not quite identical to the original, but it, but it obviously, it looks like Mario in 64. And they managed to put quite a bit of personality into that or this that fairly blocky sprite and obviously that was essential that they did that for that game i wonder if if they'd had to do a car and a character and imbue it with personality with the low polygons they were working with maybe they just i mean maybe they tried maybe they didn't i don't know it's I mean, probably it, because it's such an early n64 release and it was a racer they yeah it was probably they were t- taking probably taking a bit of a safe approach here yeah. So rare, rare proof later on with Diddy Kong Racing that you could you could do it. Do yeah, it. Yeah. Diddy Kong Even Racing. though the frame rate in Diddy Kong Racing isn't, especially in multiplayer, isn't as consistent as Mario Kart's, perhaps. But uh, yeah, Diddy Kong Racing's vehicles—they're not as intricately detailed as Mario Kart's. You know, pipe cart aesthetic. Uh, there's a mm. lot of bends, there's a lot of twists, and you know, a lot of I imagine a lot of polygons to make those things actually look realistic to the artwork depicted on the box and you know on posters. But the art for me in Mario Kart 64. <laughs> It never really, never really bothered me as a kid because, you know, why would it? I'm not here to analyse it as a 14-year-old. But now it's kind of like the textures seem like they're more realistic than what I'd imagine a second Mario Kart game to look like. It doesn't really feel mm. like I'm racing in the Mushroom Kingdom. And that's because mm. the, <laughs> they've gone for a, a more realistic-looking approach to, like, say, the first course, Mario, no, Luigi Circuit, is it? Oh, I forget, Mario yeah. Raceway, one of the two. They're pretty much the same thing. Luigi that's Raceway. There you go. Yeah. And you go... Different names in in Japan, but oh, yeah. And you go in underground into the tunnel, and you you know you may see the the wonderful video screen on above you, and you know that looks amazing. One frame a minute, whatever that <laughs> runs at. Yeah. Well, back then, it was, it was mindless. It was, it was cool. Good. It was absolutely. It was really cool. Yeah, um, but I think because they're going for that kind of vibe, that the the realistic looking textures kind of suit it, and there's not enough flavour to the world. I mean, I'm kind yeah. of going into technical here, but the courses are massive. They're absolutely huge. Like if you if you take the scale of Mario Super Mario Kart's tracks, they they, they feel kind of tight and you know compressed. tiny. Yeah. Whereas mm-hmm. these ones, like oh, like Frap Snowland and Rainbow Road N64, like the courses are huge and they 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 don't yeah. really exude a lot of Mario flavor. No, mm. I think that's something that the later games would do much better. Let's take for example. 
calamari desert, right? It's a desert, so what, what can you do with that, really? Well, other Mario Kart games have shown what you can do with it, but here it's it's just... It's such a dull-looking track uh, with the completely flat landscape and not not much going on. And then you got these canyon rock formations that are just really square blocks. Yeah, but it had the train on it and it had the, the tunnel it had a, and yeah, it, it had the, it, it the, had the, the tra- level train, crossing. But just the, the track and the environment itself is so, mm. so boring-looking. But I think for me, a lot of those, the, the, a lot of these features that now seem incredibly sort of mild and, and low rent compared to what we've seen in, in recent Mario Kart games. We'd gone from completely, as you say, completely flat tracks with little turbo boosts on it. Okay, we'd had, you know, thwomps and, and things coming down from the sky, but things like the train back then and the, the jump across the river on, on Prince's Raceway was hugely mm-hmm. exciting at the time. No doubt it was cool, but um, for example, still going on Calamari Desert, if you look at the, the desert level in Super Mario 64, that was really amazing looking for me. I don't remember thinking at the time, so this was, uh, I guess, I think it was April 97, we got the PAL N64 and I got mine at launch. So obviously I'd already played Pilot Wings and Super Mario 64 mm. and graphically those games had, had blown me away. Yeah, and I don't here. remember getting Super Mario Kart, uh, Mario Kart 64 home and thinking, oh my God, it, 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 was, it was way more about the getting into the gameplay for me. And yeah. it was still exciting because it had, you know, we were still in the relatively early Polygon era, but actually I'd already had a a Saturn and a PlayStation for like a year and a half, two years at this point. So it wasn't the excitement in itself. I suppose it was more about seeing Mario Kart in polygon form. Yeah. Um, but more than anything, it was just about more Mario Kart, I think, uh, <laughs> and 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 getting to play more. But yeah, I think casting an eye over it now, it is a real mind boggler to replay some of the same tracks that, are, that reappear in Mario Kart 8 and Mario yeah. Kart 8 DX just go straight from, say, uh, Toad's Turnpike or Canopio Highway on the N64 to the Mario Kart 8 DX version. Mm. And just and you see in uh, later games on the retro tracks taken from the N64 version, mm. how much they had to jazz and spice those up to oh, make them yeah. more interesting. Absolutely. But yeah, then no, we'll, we'll go into track design and that's uh, for sure. something There's we'll talk later about. Yeah, I mean, uh, back on the technical side, the thing that the N64 is is probably most often criticized for other than fuzz and fog is the enormously uh stretched low res textures and there's there's tons of that on display here but what i find is even playing this now and obviously my nostalgia for this game is strong and colors my view of this that once i'm into the action Mm. i'm i'm less i'm less bothered by the the kind of the the pretty yeah it's pretty murky uh, you know i think if you played this for the first time now and if, and you'd already played mario kart 8 dx you'd think it was absolutely hideous like really <laughs> uh, really properly ugly i, I agree with that but uh, at the same time it's easy to say that you can't judge this game by anything that came after it in reality you're going to do that anyway if if that happens to be mm-hmm. the way that you came to it but even diddy kong racing yeah of course yeah. but i actually even now some of the tracks I, I i agree that some of these tracks do look kind of bland and um a little bit uninteresting uh from time to time but i there are also some really good tracks in here that i think visually are pretty interesting and do look good. The one that um, the one that I think of the most when I think of that is the Wario Stadium track. Yeah. I think that that's mm. a really neat 
track to just look through and uh, it's it's not really like anything that they had had in these games previously now of course afterwards they did come back i like the ghost track in this one the banshee boardwalk um that it has um kind of moving walls there's other things that kind of pop onto the track that you don't necessarily see a whole lot i i yeah, do think the bats that come flying yeah, out yeah exactly um and I, so I, while I do, I, I do see the point of there being, you know, some things in here that don't quite hit the mark. I, I think that they, there are some moments where it gets really cool and they do some things here that they couldn't have mm. done with mm. Super Mario Kart and that kind of point the direction that the series eventually does go. And although the sprites looking at them now do look pretty ugly and maybe like they don't fit quite in, I wonder mm. if putting them in as polygonal characters would have affected too much the the feel of the game because i still think it feels really good they're a bit hit and miss now well more miss mm-hmm. than hit you can't deny that knocking your friend into the train on calamari desert isn't just one of the funniest things <laughs> ever like it's just such a like you're all just sitting there waiting at the train and then you hear a warrior coming up the iron journey bumps into you because he's heavier than you and you just you know you get the old wah 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 because i'm playing as toad probably and uh you know there's mm-hmm. just so many moments like that like the warrior stadium with the lightning and stuff there's also other weird presentation quirks uh, with this game i find like uh, something that's not really i didn't see don't see as detriment but, but it's just funny that it's there and not in any other mario kart games or the uh, onomatopoeias words that mm, appear yeah. on the, the track yeah. I, is, is that a native english speakers is that a proper english word actually onomatopoeias? Yes. yes look i'll put it right here on the show notes on screen <laughs> onomatopoeia uh, it's exactly right. is one of the key things i wanted to talk about because I, I still love it in this game and i mm-hmm. wish it yeah. hadn't I wish it, it had come it's, back. It's so weird. And because it's not in any other Mario Kart game, uh, if you look at it now, it looks so kind of out of place for the series mm. as well. And the the other thing, uh, which always signified a bit of a rush job for me, is that the, the whole presentation around the game, I mean, the, the splash screens or the background screens are quite nice with the, uh, the 3D renders. Yeah, pre-rendered title screen, which changes, mm-hmm. of course, when you complete the yeah. game. But there's this weird stuff like in between tracks, for example, just the black backgrounds with the rainbow colored mm. letters in there and the black item boxes. What's up with that giant fish that spits out the trophy? <laughs> that was there in Super Mario Kart as well in some, uh, <laughs> yeah. some endings. I still yeah. want to know what's up with him, but <laughs> but actually, some of the but some of the some of the extra character that was in that game. So, for mm. instance, custom music, uh, wind music, and custom wind poses were were, were stripped out as well, yeah. which I always thought was a shame. As much yeah, as yeah. I love the, so, sh- so the fish, that and the the there's like the weird black backgrounds in between races, for example. It's mm. uh, it kind of always felt, even at the time, already a bit low rent to me or something like that. They had they pushed it out maybe a little bit more sooner than they should have. Yeah, and that leads yeah, back uh, to me saying it doesn't really feel like you're racing in the Mushroom Kingdom. It kind of just feels a bit, you know, third party. It's almost stitched, yeah, stitched together yeah. almost, right? Yeah, there's no, mm. there's no, none of those sort of trademark domey hills in the background or anything like that, are there? Whereas the Super, the Super Mario Kart game had lots of, you know, even the naming of the place places yeah. were related to sort of Super Mario World type environments uh, relating to food and stuff like that. So yeah. We always say this, actually, every game, every game series is divisive. But I think after 20 years of kind of thinking and talking and reading about this 
game. I think this is probably, I would say, the most divisive game in the uh, in the series. And I do wonder if that relates to how much you loved Super Mario mm. Kart. Is uh, like the more mm. you love Super Mario Kart, the less you like Mario Kart sixty four. Maybe mm. I'm not sure, but uh, certainly all the people I know who, who I know well, Leah, my friend Pete, and myself, who liked but didn't love Super Mario Kart all love Mario Kart 64 so I don't, I don't know but that's not a scientific they've kept, they've kept the hop in from Super Mario to Mario Kart 64 so that you know you can't hate it that much it's, it's when you know <laughs> <laughs> yeah but it feels uh, anyway we'll come on to that we'll talk about sound and music first because I think the sound is uh, is a great part of this game for me. Obviously, it suffers from N sixty four itis in that it's uh, the samples are, or, or the sounds are quite low fidelity. I'd say in a lot of cases, but I really like the different sounds of the wheels on the on the on the surface in this game. I think the voice samples are incredibly distinct and. Uh, triumphant and irritating at the same time. Toad sounds like he's dying when he gets hit. Like, <laughs> yeah. It's, it's disturbing. Distressing. Yes. Yeah. And yeah, all the jingles and everything like that. Now, yeah, I've probably got Stockholm Syndrome and all that. But um, <laughs> but playing this again now, I still enjoy the the soundscape. Not yeah. talking about the music, <clears throat> but the but all the audio, I think, is is pretty strong. The sound bites are, re- are a huge component of what makes the multiplayer fun. I, I had friends who couldn't stop laughing when they would hit me when I was playing as uh, Wario, as usual. And just to hear Wario's agonizing scream. <laughs> <You know? laughs> it's Yeah, it, it's added so much to uh, to the multiplayer madness. I'm not, I'm not sure. Maybe one of you guys can uh, can confirm this, but it seemed like to me that some of the tracks kind of had uh, not exactly custom sounds to them, but things that sounded a little bit different. The one I'm what I'm thinking of is the sound of the wheels in the uh, in the the ghost track. Um, it, mm. it, they sounded yeah, yeah. kind of squealier, like like it was yeah. spooky. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, like and then like you're constantly about to go out of control, mm-hmm. which feeds into the handling. Yeah, uh, it sure. does happen. Like you hear the squeaking of the tires when you do lose control when you've been hit by a banana or you've slipped on a banana. Um, but one of my favourite sound effects in Mario Kart 64 is the the oomph, which goes back to the onomatopoeia. Um, poof, poof, you know, poof, when, when yeah. the cart lands, I love that. When I'm performing all the wicked shortcuts and the the cart smacks onto the floor, that that noise on mm. you know along with the on-screen words, it's just. And that's kind of magic, and I kind of wish the game had more of that flavour throughout. Whirr as well when you spin mm-hmm. out, yeah. and uh, and of course V when when you when you're learning how to corner, which we'll come I never on quite to. Understood the the power sliding with the Z's, is it the Z's that turn? It's, no, it's V and it's V and then it's E, so it's V. I always saw them as Z's, but I'm just being an idiot. No, it, I'm right, aren't I? Mm. V E. I believe so. Yeah. Yeah, and then they they change. Now, yeah, so the music, uh, Kenta Nagata's debut as a uh, game musician, I think, pretty much. Uh, he joined Nintendo that year. Uh, I love the music in Mario Kart 64, almost every track. Um, I'm particularly fond of the ones that are used for the snowy tracks, uh, Frappe Snowland and the other one. Calamari Desert's a real joy. Obviously, Rainbow Road has gone down as something of a classic. And he's uh, he's returned to the series to do uh, some compositions, some arrangements since. Um, there's a few tracks here that are perhaps more forgettable um but i think for the most part like the the raceway tunes have uh, have been used time and time again big fan uh, of the music here obviously again it suffers from n64 not having a sound chip itis but actually there's a lot of decent sounds in there some things that do resemble um 
banjos and things like that. The guitar, the electric guitar sounds are perhaps leave a little bit more to be desired, and the the percussion's a little bit soft and woolly. But overall, yeah, big fan. I think that it sa- it sounds like racing music. Sounds to me like seaside music, kind of arcade, <laughs> kind of you know. Roll up, roll up, come play these remote control car music. It kind of, it's very bouncy, it's very jolly most of the time, especially the first track, which is always playing in my head when I think about Mario Kart 64. Bom, 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 bom. Like, just that bass line, it's just great oh, bass line. Brilliant. Yeah. In terms of the, the melodies and the compositions, maybe the music is the one thing that contains the most continuity from the uh, from Super Mario Kart. Uh, yeah, sure. It has a very similar style in its melodies and arrangements and compositions. Yes. I suppose as a debutante working for the company for the first time, he was probably very keen to mm. make stuff that wasn't too kind of out there. And actually, he, he was really cautious to make stuff that sounded like the music from the previous game or that could have been from the previous game. Mm. Uh, but actually, I think some of the me- uh, some of the melodies here are, are even stronger than some of the Super Mario Kart melodies, mm. which brings us to let's talk about the single player. And obviously, we're going to get a bit more holistic with uh, the way the game feels and behaves and and all that sort of thing so uh but i i suspect not everybody but for most people the first thing you do when you get a new mario kart game is you normally on your own so you normally sit down to play the uh, single player grand prix first normally starting at 50 cc's because you know you can't just go straight to the fast ones even if the manual tells you you can you got to do everything yeah so i as i say i barreled through this game in pretty much a long afternoon uh, and a bit of an evening back in 97 and i've done it since in slightly longer periods of time since it's weirdly unchallenging compared to super which could be absolutely evil and i've noticed some things about it that i didn't even really notice back at the time like the enemy enemies (laughs) the other racers uh they don't even fire shells at you i don't remember uh, ever seeing a red shell so again as with the first game although it kind of it gives lip service to the to things being more of an even playing field than they were in the in the first game everyone had their own kind of special power up they all drop bananas and stuff now and lightnings can go off when you're uh, when you're ahead and stuff like that but Nobody ever shoots a shell at you. None of the AI <laughs> ever shoots a shell <laughs> at you. Um, and of course, the, the probably the most famous single element about the single player here is that the rubber banding, um, the, the basically the catch up yeah. for for tr- uh, for carts getting behind. And this works on for you to an extent, I think, as well, but not as spectacularly. Obviously, um, <laughs> is is insanely overpowered. However, it is still possible thanks to the new uh, mini turbos that you can do by rocking the controller as you go around the corner, which is something that's now persisted uh, in the series since bar super circuit circuit on the, on the GBA, albeit slightly tweaked. You could still basically ensure that you get ahead. And in fact, it, as I say, I, I still find it very easy to get all the gold cups on this game overall. But it it's kind of, I mean, it's kind of weird. The whole single player experience is, yeah, I mean, I enjoy it, but it's like you barrel through it and then that's it. It's done forever. Yeah, yeah, that's true. One huge thing of uh, also why I felt like uh, like selling it off after a while because yeah. I wasn't just playing at sing- single player anymore. It was just I, I did all the uh, cups on all the CCs and that was that. Like well, we come on to time trialing, but yeah. uh, that's a whole di- different area. But yeah, for for this mode, yeah. I, yeah. I definitely used the single player. You know, I, I obviously smashed it when I first got it uh, or kind of yeah. used it. And um, but from then on, whenever I was on my own, which was rather often than not, um, I'd, I'd I'd get the shortcuts sorted. I'd I would get the magazines. Mm-hmm. I'd say I, you know I'd see images of where you were supposed to be hopping over and glitching your way through these levels, and it obviously paved way for me being a QA tester at some point in my life later on. But you know I was just fascinated by how 
the the inertia of the carts can be manipulated in a way to make you bounce over parts of the level um you know just just to completely yeah. break the game at some point to the point where you don't even see textures loading in and stuff like that yeah, yeah. so the single player for me was kind of like your training wheels for the uh for the weekend I agree with that. I, as I said before, I played uh, I probably more single player than I did multiplayer, actually. But it was more about time trialing against myself at that point yeah. and, uh, you know, getting through getting the best possible results on all of the tracks. And um, I remind me, how was it that you unlocked the mirror tracks? Was it just getting a gold on everything? Just gold or yeah, everything okay. up to 150 yeah, on I all cups. Yeah, because yeah, mm-hmm. I, I definitely did that. I just wanted to get that. And I this is not a thing that I do very often anymore, but I just wanted to get the best possible result on everything. I was very perfectionist about it at the time. Yeah. Yeah. And it was it was very doable, unlike a lot of Nintendo games. And I think it's, it's interesting because we often talk about on this show about how much easier games have become overall, or at least how much more completable they've become, mm. if not, even if it it's not always easier to do everything, but we've come from talking about games like Mega Man on the Nintendo Entertainment System where uh, it, it's, as Mikhail's recently proved, it's possible to do it legitimately and honestly, but it takes a lot of <laughs> sweat and tears and blood and effort. Whereas already here we are in the mid-90s, this game we're talking about, and it pretty much lets you breeze through it in an afternoon if you want to. Mm-hmm. Um, there's still plenty of value for money to be had on the cartridge with the multiplayer, the battle mode and the oh, yeah. time trialing. But actually, this was this was just your kind of aperitif. And I don't think they even, although I've had fun playing through it again, I don't think they spent a huge amount of time and effort on coding the AI. Because as I say, the rules are different for them than it is for you, both for, for good and ill. So it's, yeah, it's all kind of, it's kind of weird. It feels a bit cobbled together and, and again, possibly a bit rushed, which is odd given what Miyamoto said about the game being ready for launch. And yet, not coming out sometime later, but actually I agree with Mikio. I think this game shows signs of not having had quite enough time in the oven. 16 all new tracks and the designs of which I think uh, are very variable. And I remember this um, being uh, an item that was pointed out in the reviews of things like Edge magazine and Mm. N64 magazine at the time that although there were some absolute stone cold racing classics like the the Mario and Peach uh, raceway ones, I think to to be fair, there were some others like Moo Moo Farm, which I already mentioned, which is just a big circle basically (laughs) with some things that come out the ground. Yeah. I actually really like Frappe Snowland. I really like that track because I think you can really race on the edge. And certainly my appreciation of some of the tracks came to the fore when I time trialed them over and over and over again. But I still think it's it's a real mixed bag. And when there's only 16 circuits in the game, which actually seems like quite a reasonable amount, but you end up end up with a lot more. Yeah, it was a bit bit hit and miss overall. I agree with the uh, the with the Frappe Snowland in particular. Some of the tracks, it's interesting because you can get even if they aren't simply shortcuts, there are ways that you can cut corners. If you get good at doing the the little jump, there are you know, cracks in the land that you can jump over to literally cut corners. The more you learn about them, some of them you can just pare down and pare down until you're doing really well at them. And then there are some where it, it is just a circle and there's not a whole lot you can do with that. So yeah, I definitely a little uneven. And we should definitely make a distinction that there are some shortcuts in this game that are absolutely as intended by developers, yeah. such as the tunnel on Cooper Trooper Beach. But it was it was quickly discovered that, as as you and Darren have already alluded to, lots of these tracks are completely broken and breakable, yes. mainly that involve falling off, falling through the world or in some way or, or crashing in a certain place so that Lakitu puts you back on the track. 
behind the start line but thinks you've already completed a lap. And that's <laughs> that 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 in in a nutshell is how you do it, and you completely break all your time trial times on the on the cartridge. Yeah. So yeah, once you've gone down that road, there's no going back. <laughs> So single-handedly, the worst track in this whole game for me is Rainbow Road. Yeah, it's, yeah. Hu- it's so long, and there's n- and it has borders around it. A Rainbow Road track with borders around it. Can yeah, you imagine? Yeah. Still don't and know And it why just they goes on and on and on and on and on with nothing on happening cc, on it. It's about five minutes long or something. It's it's yeah, it's tremendous, uh, yeah. tremendous and horrendous. Not if you take the shortcut. Yeah, well, there is that, um, <laughs> and I'm pretty sure that one wasn't deliberate. But yeah, talking about hopping over the barriers, it was interesting. I played this one back to back. I did the mirror mode uh, extra cut early on 150 cc on mario kart 64 and it took uh, what was it about just under three minutes i think mm. something like that i can't remember exactly maybe two minutes 40 or something and then i immediately played the n64 version no sorry the mario kart 8 dx version n64 mm-hmm. track and it took uh, and they've completely changed it to a point to point race and it took me Mercifully. one and a half minutes yeah and it's it's completely different experience it's got an amazing golden coin spewing train on it and all this sort of stuff there's chain chumps uh, going through there as well right yeah, it's odd because I that people seem to be incredibly fond of this uh, this two thousand meter long track, such as it is. Yeah, I always thought it was it was a low light, and as I said, me and my mate used to switch it off, uh, or we just used to yeah stop before Rainbow Road because it was it was too dull. This uh, this track was uh, imported uh, pretty much as is to F Zero X. One main difference being that they took the borders out. Aha, uh-huh. and you cr- and you travel at two thousand meters oh, a second. Yeah. <laughs> You're doing like fifteen hundred kilometers yeah. per hour, so that makes it a lot more exciting. Oh, all of a that. sudden, yeah, that's yeah. brilliant. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. Highlights for me in terms of tracks: uh, Sherbet Land, Frappy Snowland, just because penguins and mm. you know jingly noises. Uh, Royal, Royal Raceway <laughs> is uh, is brilliant. It, you know, it was oh, back then. It amazing circuit. Uh, Toast Turnpike um, was thrilling at the time to see you know real life cars, and that kind of alludes to what I said earlier about the realistic looking nature of the game. Those cars look so chunky now. Um, but yes, it's actually, it was a good, it's, I'm glad you mentioned that because obviously there's been so much uh, so much said about Super Mario Odyssey, New Donk City, that actually this was mm. 20 years before that. Mm. Yeah, some of the courses, like, you know, we, we said it already, but they are just kind of big circles. I think Cooper Tuber Beach misses the trick, you know, entirely with the level design. It's just going around a giant rock. There's an occasional ramp where you can go through the rock or you can land on a giant green rock for a, a special item. But yeah. Ultimately, you're just going around the coast and it's just not it's just not fun. Mm. Yeah. And Leah mentioned Wario Stadium, which I do agree. It looks it looks like a really nice track, but it's also, except for the one jump, and it's it's fun that you can drive over the bumps, but there's not yeah. a whole lot there going on either, and it's a pretty long track. Yeah, that became entertaining with obviously with the famous lightning we'll hear about uh, about that later on. A mixed bag. Bowser's Castle, I still find incredibly annoying. Far too many uh, thwomps and uh, and opportunities to fall in the lava. Obviously, it's meant to be. It's meant to be challenging. Choco Mountain looks just like a massive poo now when you play it. Unfortunately, <laughs> yeah, you're not wrong. Which is disappointing. But Frappe and Snowland, Sherbetland still work for me. Yoshi Valley was a curio because it had, it did the thing where it sort of theoretically disguises mm. yeah. uh, what place you're in, although it's oh, fairly no. obvious. Yeah, <laughs> it was it was that was a kind of a fun and interesting track. Yeah, with fairly all the different easy to branches. tell multiple routes. Yeah, and yeah. and that's got some legitimately planned shortcuts in it. We've seen better since, but then also I like the fact that most of these are actually about being really good at driving, whereas a lot of the tracks we've seen in perhaps some of the subsequent games, particularly I'm thinking Double Dash and Wii, 
they tended to be more about the gimmicks and they tended to be about actually driving. It's strange now when you look back at these tracks as a whole, uh, especially now, is that they don't just, they don't feel very uh, Nintendo designed. Mm. Doesn't seem to be that much cleverness going in there. I always worried about the the ferry in DK Jungles Parkway. I always worried that ferry was going to come off that waterfall and all the people inside were doomed. Anyone else? No? The steamboat, yeah. I was no. more afraid that I was going to hit the ferry. Oh, yeah, there's also that. Can yeah. you, you can't hit the ferry, can you? Like, I, I don't think that I ever no, you, did. You can, you can, you can hit the ferry, just come off a ramp, and, you know, you get a, you know, oh. I've definitely collided with it, and it's, yeah, it's, it's invisible <laughs> inside. I was going to say, has it got collision, or no, do you no, just no, go no, through you, it? You collide into it, and then it's just like a hollow, yeah. Like a car. Yeah, it's, it's nothing. Yeah, you got me thinking, talking about how much more this game is about driving. Uh, Mario Kart 64 also felt uh, to me more like, especially going from Super Mario Kart, uh, like a game that was much more item central than the the previous game. Mm. Even if you look at how the the items behave, in Super Mario Kart, the red shell would make a a beeline for you. So you could just outmaneuver it by hitting a corner and going around there. In Mario Kart 64, they actually trail you on the track. Yes. Yeah, for the most part, although you can, they, they do, there's they do ways hit, to, to, they do to, hit the sides, yeah. You can also hold an item behind you, yeah, that, that's what I always do. <laughs> to deal with it, yeah, but it's just one of those nuances, yeah. you know. That As I say, the AI never shoots you with a red shell anyway. It's more about items and item interaction than the previous game. Mm. And yeah. the, tracks, the tracks are much much wider than uh, the previous oh, look, game yeah. as well. To allow for four players, isn't it? The scale it? is yeah. just ridiculous. Yeah. Like in um, Sherbetland, when you go through the tunnel... You feel absolutely tiny, and it, it reminds me, in retrospect, of Halo 1, where Master Chief just feels like a tiny yeah. dot on the hmm. on the massive Halo itself. I can't work out why the levels feel so big, and they vary in scale. Like, you know, they're not all massive, but like, Sherbet Land for me is just like, you just you feel like you're entering, like, that, that penguin is just absolutely massive in, in the middle. And you just <laughs> yeah. feel like you're just entering this giant cave is yeah it's ridiculous i suppose we've seen the sort of natural extension of this in things like ribbon road on the on the later versions where you mm. are actually little mm. micro machine type in, in, yeah. in that sort of situation but yeah i mean mario's always played around with scale really ever since um super mario brothers 3 hasn't it with tiny huge world and, and all that another thing worth mentioning is also that the, the coins uh, were missing from this uh yes installment. no not a single coin to be found anywhere yeah. i don't think which which seems it seems weird now um mm. and obviously they've brought them in they've taken them out they've changed their their dis- the way they're displayed they've changed their function but this yeah. is this is the first and last game where there are just no coins i, did, I did like it <laughs> i think they only came back in mario kart 7 for the 3ds didn't they the coins. No, there's coins in um, Are Super there in Circuit. Double Dash? No, not in Super Double Dash. Super Circuit probably, yeah. But not in Double Dash and not in Mario Kart Wii either. No coins in Wii. You see, no. my memory playing tricks. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. But yeah, so, okay, well, this, I guess this is what I was getting at about the conventions not having been fully laid down at this point. Mm-hmm. You know, we yeah. had one game with coins. This game doesn't have coins. Fine. There's like yeah. 50-50. But as you go, go on through the series, it's so it's now about maybe two thirds without coins and one third games with coins. I'm not sure. Anyway, we'll work this out as we go through the series. But personally, I don't think it misses them. The thing I like about not having the coins, even compared to the recent games, 8 and 8DX, is that the coins topping out your speed mean that you obviously you feel that you want to take a slightly slower line to get the coins to make you faster. Whereas in 64, you just want to take the racing line from the off, basically, other yeah, than yeah. to nip out and get item boxes. The coins uh, sort of dictate your yeah. uh, your line on the track, yeah. 
and it's and it's a different design philosophy but i yeah i just like the fact that this is once you start mastering the handling it becomes all about the fact that you've mastered the handling mm-hmm. we'll come on to that momentarily first we must hear from dusk versus, versus tweak from the forum who is one of those who uh, was very disappointed by mario kart 64 I was so excited for Mario Kart 64 that the disappointment I felt with the game was heartbreaking and still potent. After all the weekends I spent renting Super Mario Kart, it felt unbelievable that I didn't like the 64 game. I found the tracks too wide and not exciting as a SNES. The driving felt slower and even then I thought the graphics were too muddy. Worst of all, a rainbow road with guard rails. Guardrails on Rainbow Road. <laughs> While I know I'm in the minority both then and now, I attribute Mario Kart 64 for turning me away from the series and most kart racers. Instead, I fell in love heart and soul with F-Zero X, and that was my go-to racer for my N64 years. It was fast and chaotic, almost like how I remembered Super Mario Kart, but without the weapons. I wish I could have seen what my sibling and friends saw in Mario Kart 64, but it never clicked with me. Yeah, and I know, uh, you know, we, we often have people saying with their critique, I, I know I'm in the minority. Actually, I don't I don't think you are. I think this uh, this game is properly divisive. I yeah. think there's a lot of people who love it and a lot of people who really don't. Yeah, I'm kind of with, uh, with, uh, with him right here, actually. Yeah. Sure. So let's talk specifically about handling, because this is a really important part of the game. According to something I read, the player's driving controls were designed to be similar to operating a radio-controlled car. Now, I'm not sure exactly what that means, other than... The weird thing about Mario Kart 64's handling is now, again, I refer back to Super Mario Kart. I never got fully got to grips with that handling. I've played it since on and off since it came out. I still can't really get my head around how you do cornering well in that game. Whereas in this game, by day two, I was a master like at cornering <laughs> in this game. I, I really got into the whole mm-hmm. rocking the controller thing to get the orange the mini turbo and hopping into the corners with the analog stick it all felt right to me that said it still feels incredibly skiddy and like yeah you're Mm -hmm. like you're almost always on the brink of going out of control and i think that's what i both that's what i love about it and i think that maybe what other people hate about it yeah, it, it's, it's it's like twitchy and slidey at the same time. So yeah, for some like reason, I was saying about it's really Mega weird. Man. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly that thing. Yeah, yeah. I guess it's whether you can kind of come to terms with that, and make peace with it, and actually enjoy it, which is which is what I do. And it's always weird coming back to Mario Kart sixty four after years of playing the more recent games. Mm-hmm. Like I find the model in Mario Kart Wii in particular and DS to an extent quite boring. Like mm-hmm. it feels too safe, too solid, too smooth. Um, I think yeah. with with eight, they've gone some way to rectifying that in some ways. I mean, it's still glassy smooth compared to Mario Kart 64, but there is just something about the fact that every time you tap the analog stick left or right, your back end mm. starts sliding out. And I can totally see why a lot of people would detest that. But to me, it makes it more exciting. You're, you're always on the brink of disaster. It makes it all the more rewarding when you finally nail it. Mm. Like mm. I, I, when I went back to uh, kind of refresh myself prior to this show, I, I, I did have a little bit of trouble to begin with just because I had played so much of the more recent Mario Karts since the last time that I played 64 that trying to do the, the drift maneuvers was not, it's not the same at all. It just, it, it feels like you really need to be on it rather than just, okay, well, you click this button and then you slide this way and it just happens by itself, basically. But this, it, you really have to be in control of the car the whole time in order to get it to do what you want it to do. And mm-hmm. 
it it yeah it can be frustrating when you're trying to learn it but if that's if you're playing it as much as i was playing it at that time then once you pick it up you it just it feels really good to me uh and Mm -hmm. and as i was saying before i i wonder if they had tried to put more of the processing resources into the graphics rather than into how it feels if that would have changed anything and i mean i guess we'll never Mm -hmm. really know but um Mm -hmm. i i i am willing to make that trade because i really like how this game feels Referring to the squirrely nature of the vehicle, you can see it in the animation. Like mm. all you got to do is just touch the stick very slightly in like Mario's, you know, frames of animation. It, it just bends left and right like a sausage. Uh, but I feel like the, the faster you go in um, in Mario Kart 64, the more stable you are in terms of you know that squirrely nature. Because I feel like once you've hit a, a you know a red shell's hit you, your your car is just kicking out left and right all over the place, and I don't really feel like. That's that's fair in a way, but you know the balance of Mario Kart's always been a fun discussion over the years. Um, but yeah, uh, every corner for me in Mario Kart sixty four, I'm trying to squeak out two or three of those boosts every single because the corners are yeah. quite large. As I don't stop talking about, you know, you can I, I can get three, yeah. maybe four. You know, I, it's a challenge for me now to see how many. Sometimes, you get in there. like on Luigi, it's more that's like it, seven you know, or eight. You, you want to take that line as tightly as possible and see how many gold. You know these and these you can get out the back of your car and that's the game for me now is that if i if i've never not if if i haven't got one at any time on a corner i feel like i've sort of failed because i just played the game so much yeah. that i just know exactly how yeah. that works but getting to that point you know you know it's tough because you, you are i'm constantly i was constantly slipping and sliding all over the place because the super mario kart or the, sorry the sequel uh, the game before it super mario kart it felt completely different. Mm. Like it was completely rigid. Different. It, was, yeah. it yeah. was tough. It was, you know, the, the cornering was just absolutely bonkers. So coming into this and feeling like you're on a Vaseline floor at points, it was just, yeah, it's crazy. Yeah. Maybe I'm more forgiving to the original Super Mario Kart because it's a sprite based racer. But, um, and I totally get what you guys are saying, what uh, appeals so much to you about the handling of the cars. But yeah, I'm just really, I'm, kind of a simple man when it comes to my races i just want everything to be buttery smooth uh, when it comes to handling you know? right that might be yeah we might be hitting upon the sort of the crux of the, the yeah, difference between those so. people who like and and this, this one and sort don't. of weird twitchy skiddy feeling uh, gets amplified by again the uh, aesthetics of the game because stuttery animation frames of the, yeah. the, the sprites and they're sort of constant almost vibrating on the tracks uh, mm-hmm. when, yep. when you look at them it doesn't look nice to the eyes basically the twitchiness of, of it all i also know exactly what you're saying um which is you know it's odd isn't it i can completely see why that would be off-putting and why that would be unenjoyable but for, for whatever reason, probably because I'd spent 55 quid on it. And then I and then I rattled through the single player in an afternoon. I mm. thought I'm going to, you know, ring this, ring every last drop out of this. <laughs> yeah. And as I say, there was enough depth to that handling model. Plus, you know, the, the combination of items and, and tracks and, and so on to to get six years of multiplayer entertainment out of it, which is longer partly because of circumstance, but that's longer than I've played you know, pretty much any other game in the series in terms of, you know, just sticking to the same one. But then that was partly yeah. because the only game that came out in that time was was the GBA one. That's fair enough. Uh, that's your six years versus my six months. 
Well, yeah, but uh, <laughs> but obviously, yeah, there's plenty of games I've yeah I've put aside. Um, quick, smart, but yeah, no, it's definitely a weird one, and yeah, I think I think that maybe if there's one single thing why people find super more enjoyable than this one or or later instalments, it is probably the fact that this has the kind of quirkiest, most wacky handling <laughs> model out yeah. of all the games. But of yeah. course, it did inform the controller rocking of. The subsequent games, uh, not Super Circuit, but uh, from Double Dash onwards, they retain something that echoes this. But mm. yeah, I think most people would probably say refines it. But actually, for me, it loses a little bit of, of um, character and personality by making it a little bit too smooth, especially in the DS and Wii versions, which I think were just a bit anodyne and sterile in the way they felt. I think definitely the Wii version. I would maybe disagree with uh, with the DS version, mm. but that's because I've been playing that with uh, some very diehard. <laughs> well, we we'll talk Kart about players. snaking in a, in a couple of years' time or whatever. Yeah, but, um, <laughs> yeah, yeah for sure. Mario Kart sixty four didn't lend itself well to the battle mode as well as Super Mario Kart. Um, I feel like you mm. know the yeah the, there was a lot of stopping and uh, literally doing right angle hops to get around some corners or get around some tricky bends. Uh, or you can press A and B together to kind of do like a donut kind of spinny brake acceleration move. It's 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 weird. Yeah, they put a, a new control in, didn't they? Which is That's A B it. and back yeah, on yeah, the analog stick. Weird, like, yeah. Uh, yeah, 180 it, kind just, of thing. Yeah. I always found the as much as I enjoyed the battle mode at the time. Looking back, there was a lot of oh. But there he is. Oh, he's gone. And then you stop your car, you hop, hold down yeah. R, hop to the yeah. right, 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 or left. And, you know, was, there was a lot of that going on. And, you know, it, it wasn't mm-hmm. really, wasn't really that great. Yeah. Yeah. The handling, the handling is the key point why I never played the battle mode much in this game. Whereas Super Mario Kart, I was playing a lot of mm. battle mode sessions. Yeah. I barely touched the battle mode in this game. Either. Yeah. Same. We're possibly in the minority or certainly a lot of people did enjoy it. I do want to talk specifically about the selection of items and power-ups in this game because uh, it's obviously very important and feeds into everything that you do when you're on the track, pretty much, unless you're time-trialing. So we've gone from the coins on the ground and the item boxes on the ground from the Mode 7 original to uh, no coins and 3D translucent rainbow-coloured item boxes Mm. suspended on the track. I don't know what they are. They're kind of like weird diamond wannabes. I don't really know what they're doing. They're strange shapes. Yeah, they become more box-like in mm. subsequent games with sort of mm-hmm. checkered patterns on them and things. But um, yeah, obviously transparencies were quite exciting at <laughs> this this era of, of gaming. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, you get a roulette. Uh, as with the first game, as with the first game, you can uh, tap the appropriate button to uh, stop the roulette early. So obviously uh, red shells there, green shells and bananas are there. Surely the most controversial addition uh, to the series and that has been retained mostly ever since. I'm going to say this is in every version subsequent to this. The Great Leveller, the spiny shell, uh, commonly known colloquially as as the blue shell, the one that seeks out the leader, sometimes taking people out on its way through, uh, particularly in this game where it does just go through the pack and mm. knocks you bandy. The blue shell has gotten me in a lot of trouble. Does it have a siren yeah, noise as well? Yeah. More, am I imagining that or does it have like a weird... Sort of whoop, whoop, whoop yeah. kind of thing. Yep, it's the sound of the blue shell. Whoop, whoop. And so, yeah, it is the Great Leveller. The development team have, uh, you know, talked about this. I think we talked about, no, we probably wouldn't have talked about it in Super Mario Kart, but we talked about games being sometimes unfair or unbalanced, but actually being fun because of that. So here they've brought in an item which is essentially there to stop the best player just streaking away with every win. You could call it an approach to balancing, but um, probably not the the traditional one. Um, 
<laughs> I never. No, I, I mainly played this in two player. I have played it three and four player occasionally. Uh, the single player, it's not even relevant in um, other than you occasionally get it if you're lagging behind and it can help you. But you get you get lots of uh, groups of three red shells in this game anyway, which will help you out a ton. That's another uh, addition to the series, as is the chain of bananas and, and uh, whatever else. I didn't ever have a major problem with it in this game. I understand why people hate it. I think maybe there's a there's a call to have it as an option, you know, on or off. And uh, even in, you, you know, custom online lobbies, you could uh, have it switched off. I don't know. But um, yeah. did you remember hating the blue no, shell from the no, off? No, not Anybody? really. Or? I mean, because you're all around, you know, a group of three mates and yourself. It's not really that infuriating. It's more infuriating when you're playing against other people online that you don't know or care about, you know, and you're just like, oh, this idiot, yep. you know, has taken me out. Like, <laughs> it, it is more frustrating like that. And, but when you're, when you're around mates, you can't really yeah. get all, you know, moany about it because it's a Mario Kart game, really. And I, I can't remember it being a huge factor either. Uh, I, mm. I think it was pretty rare to, I to get so, it. I think so, yeah. I, yeah. I, I, it's, in theory, you don't really get them unless you're below half in the pack. I, I mean, and even yeah. then, it's not a frequent thing. I, I think that it's more frequent in, in other games. But um, mm. yeah, I mean, <laughs> playing with other people uh, who are not AI, um, that... I, I can see that and have seen that being the kind of thing that, um, you know, you playfully yell at each mm. other about, but it's not, I don't think it's frustrating enough to really throw anybody off. Personally, yeah. I don't think so. But as I say, I've had I've had a few uh, incidents. And also the blue shell in this game behaves different uh, from the ones mm. that came after it, or mm. is it's kind of different it doesn't have wings for starters you know yeah. it's not it's not this divine retribution item uh, yet <laughs> yeah it's <laughs> like true that, that will just track you down and smash into you and create a mm -hmm. huge bomb blast it's just a tracking shell that when when it hits you it just doesn't do more to you than any normal red shell would do yeah yeah uh, very true you know, it's a mm. it's, it's an interesting inclusion to the series because you know it is very divisive and love it or hate it it's, it's stayed around for a long time but yeah, I just don't really see... I've never seen it as a massive aggravating item. I just see it as a... Because it's Mario Kart, I don't really take it that seriously anyway. You know, we I, I play to win, mm. obviously, but if, if I get taken out by one in any of them, I just think, oh, well, I'll, I'll race again next time. It's, it's fine. Like, as soon as a Mario Kart race is over kind of forgotten about it and I've moved on not what our Josh uh, says of his experience he, he gets very angry and rage quits and <laughs> then cries he needs to chill out a bit cries himself to sleep yeah. <laughs> but, you know the, the, they've added items later on where you can do you know deflect it and I think that's a I think that's a good way of countering literally count, you know oh yes speaker and, but I'm I've, yes. I'm pretty sure the way I I did deal with this was because I was using whether my mates liked it or not I used the shortcuts and I was so far ahead that it didn't even bother me because I was <laughs> you know, minutes ahead because I'm that guy that's a whole <laughs> other whole whole other kettle of fish yeah um, but I, I did find myself um, deploying items in this playthrough this week of, of 64 in a very satisfying way perhaps even more so like it's still cool in, in the modern games the modern Mario Kart games to fire a green shell out and hit somebody behind you but in this game I think one of the things that's possibly been forgotten or never even noticed by some people over time is that it's actually got a choice of two camera angles mm. this game so you yeah. can zoom out mm. by default which gives you slightly better view uh, behind you you can also change the on screen furniture uh, to a speedo 
or a map or a, a sort of graph of where everyone is on the track. I like that one. Um, I like that sure one, why the, they... the peripheral yeah. kind of graph thing. It's peculiar. But I found that I was, um, when going for my gold cups on the higher levels, yes, not, you know, not overtly wildly challenging, but I was securing myself first place by holding on to like a single banana and dropping it at the very last second to take somebody out behind me mm-hmm. and all that stuff. And that, I was still finding that really satisfying, even against these funny, <laughs> uh, fairly, fairly ropey AI uh, opponents. Again, there's there's a certain amount of sort of personality and also in the just in the audio visual response to to things getting hit in this game. Obviously, it's nowhere near as pretty or spectacular as the modern games, but there's something nice about seeing them just flipping up in the air and bouncing around like where's, lunatic. Where's the feather? Like, oh, come on. Like they, they took it out of both oh. didn't need it. You just bounce they, over barriers. In Mario Kart sixty four, pretty much everything launches you straight up into into the air when you when it hits you, right? Yeah, pretty much. Except for the banana peels, of course. And you get flammed. Well, and the banana peels... See, here's another feature that this game had that nothing since has had. If you clip a banana peel or uh, actually almost go out of control on a corner, if you dab the brake, and this is dab 20 years ago, didn't mean what it means now, uh, (laughs) you can get a little little whistle from your character's mouth to say, phew, I just Mm. about saved my cart mm. from going out of control there's such a great little mechanic yeah. why has that not been in any they should have they definitely they should have did it with um, yeah. when you got knocked off the edge and like to put you back on if you were to tap the a button you get like mm. a little kind of mini uh yeah little turbo, turbo. Off the floor yeah kind of thing. yeah and actually that that turbo's more worth having than the one off the start line because the one off the start line just puts you in a more vulnerable position mm-hmm. whereas the the one when Lakitu's putting you back on a trip uh, track you might actually get back into contention and, you know there's other new items in there like the golden mushroom which in this game i don't feel mm. like it does anything carnage like, no i don't i don't care for <laughs> it i have I, i've got a vivid memory of me playing as mario and wario sitting next to me and um you know in his go-kart and i was pressing i was hammering the uh the gold mushroom button and you know t- to use it and he, he was just there oh, yeah, he was just no, there beside broken. me Without a gold mushroom, presumably. Because of the rubber banding. But there's also a timing thing to the gold mushroom in this game where you shouldn't just hammer it like mad because it actually slows you down before it propels you oh, forward. You, oh. you sort of fall back <laughs> and then you shoot forward. So you okay, so kind of need to get a, li- get a little bit of a, a bit of a timing down to use it effectively in this one. You tell that to a 14-year-old. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no chance. It's a bit like releasing the old accelerator before uh, yeah. in the... Um, the speed ups in in Diddy Kong, but actually, yeah, I've, I tended to. Uh, I've only had a couple of golden mushrooms in this recent playthrough, but I tend to not really even want to use them against the AI because there's no point. It just makes you more mm. out of control, and they keep up with you because of the rubber banding. So mm-hmm. it's the same with the star as well. That you can use a star, and the guy next to you or woman next to you will literally be side by side, and you're like, I'm using a star here, like. Back then, in Mario Kart 8 now, the, the star doesn't really speed you up. It just enables you to cut corners really nicely and, you know, knock people out of the way. But, you know, the star back then was a big deal in the fact that, you know, it did speed you up and you were invincible for a bit. But in 64, mm. it just feels like there's just no effect. And that, that is because of the rubber banding. But it's just, just there's just no satisfaction. It stops any... Uh, negative effects of going over rougher surfaces basically so mm-hmm. so it smooths your ride over heavy, uh, thick grass or whatever yeah. there is a reason to it and obviously yeah you can blow people up by actually touching them again speaking to that handling like I still find even though I, I reckon I'm pretty good at this game I'm obviously not the best because I still sometimes find it hard to line up with the thin ramps because the because tw- the handling's so twitchy you slide out before you hit the hit the ramp right yeah yeah exactly and and similarly when I try to deliberately take out an opponent with a invincibility 
it's quite easy to to just um, twitch either side. But I had a weird moment earlier where I merged with a Yoshi sprite, which I've never, it's a little glitch or bug I've never seen. Don't know if it's in the original or whether it's only on emulation, but um, things happened and we actually became temporarily kind of merged two rendered Ooh. sprites in op- occupying the same space. I've never seen that before. Making an unpleasant noise. And one other controversial item that me and Pete, who played this together for so many years, always hated and still talk about uh, are the yellow bombs in the mm-hmm. two-player mode. So, ah, yeah. so if you're playing just two-player, so that is not without the AI pack with you, so you ju- it's just you and your opponent on the track, plus the item boxes and the items, for some reason, the developers thought it'd be a good idea just to keep things interesting, would be to have these random yellow bombs just roll trundling about on the track. And we've always just thought, why? There's enough, <laughs> uh-huh. there's enough to keep you both busy. It takes you out of the whole who's the best at racing thing because they sometimes say, well, no, it doesn't completely. That's not fair. But to me, they were just always a, a lazy distraction from from actually the Mario karting. And yeah, I wished mm. we, we always wanted an option to turn them off, put it that way. It's weird that they're in the, in the racing because they serve more of a purpose in the battle mode because yeah. uh, if you lose all your balloons, you turn yes. into a yellow bomb on wheels and you can still grieve. You have something something to do. You, you don't have to put down yeah. your controller. You have it's something like to do. Bomberman um, yeah. coming back. Reve- revenge mode. Revenge mode, yeah. yeah. You know, the, yeah. the yellow bombs in two-player mode, I totally forgot about them until you mentioned it. But those kind of obstacles should be on the course designed in, and placed on each course like they are in later Mario Kart games. Like, you know, the crabs on Koopa Troopa. Like, yeah. There should be more things like that on yeah. the course rather than forced ones like the yellow bombs. It, they're, they're, it kind mm. of goes back to what we said earlier. Like, the courses are just a bit... I want a bit of chaos in the Mario Kart and, you know, adding obstacles to stop people from winning is a, is a fun thing. But when they feel out of place and just arbitrary, you know, it, it does come off as just like, why are you there? Like, there's no context for them being there other than the fact that someone clicked the mouse and it happened once. At least they are not there in time trial mode, I mm. suppose. That would have been just simply evil. Yeah, also another curio about this game is the, uh, the little spiky hedgehog type dudes that appear on uh, Yoshi Valley. That they're a one and done. They never, they were never yeah. there before, and they've never come back. Well, we're sort of on multiplayer, right? It's worth just highlighting how much of a big deal four-player split, split screen racing was uh, oh, at that time. Absolutely, I don't think there was a precedent. I can't, I can't think of any any home console four-player racer? racing game. I don't think that it, did that have four players. I have uh, a feeling they somehow did. Maybe on the uh, 32-bit console version. But definitely not on a Super Nintendo. It no, was, uh, it seems a bit ambitious, yeah. Of course, there were games like Super Sprint where you it was just one shared screen with four races on there. I'm looking at it. Street Racer did appear to have four-player split screen even on Super Nintendo. That That is crazy. Okay. But you would have had to have bought by a, a Super Tap, of course. Mm. A multi-tap, a multi-tap yeah. Um, yeah. Which, of course, the N64, I think, was the first or certainly first popular or semi-popular home console with uh, four controller ports out the gate. Of course, actually buying four controllers was uh, was somewhat expensive. Kintaris from the forum says, Sometimes I wonder how my brother and I remained close through our childhood. He was the football-obsessed, outgoing and logical type. I was the creative one who couldn't catch a cold and had a serious allergic reaction to sport. I truly think that it was games like Mario Kart 64 that kept us connected as an intersection between our interests. Every track of this game is seared into my mind along with the music, but instead of remembering the sound effects, I remember my brother shouting at the TV and me and everything under the sun. That was so unfair. (laughs) It helped immensely that while he was much better predisposed to real world things like understanding how a car works, I was actually pretty good at computer games. 
It balanced our competition out pretty well, and of course we all know that you're only ever a blue shell away from victory or disaster. My brother never quite reconciled with the fact that there was an element of luck to the game, but he still enjoyed it enough to keep coming back night after night. By the time Double Dash came out, my brother was starting to pursue other interests altogether, and while I muck about on Mario Kart 8, his lone PlayStation gathers dust between iterations of FIFA. Mario Kart 64 was very far from perfect and is difficult to play nowadays, but it will always hold a special place in my heart as part of my family history. Yeah, so the versus mode four player, as you say, was a big deal. Um, I mainly played this in two player. Yeah, I did as well. Which does kind of slightly lessen the sort of overall the balancing effects of the game in the sense that one of you's behind and one of you's in front. So it, it obviously it weights the items accordingly to an extent, but it's less overt about giving you really, really powerful items when you're in when you're in fourth, for instance, in a four player game or eighth in a, in a single player game. Here, you're more likely to be kind of tra- trading positions and uh, and some of the less kill all items. But of course, famously, it did become about the uh, the lightning on Wario Stadium because I assume again this is a great case of a game just oh, yeah. not, not being that well tested or thought through or they just left it in because hey why not it's funny yeah you had to redo a whole part of the track again right yeah exactly somebody hit you with a lightning there let's hear from dom's beard on this shall we dom's beard says myself and several work buddies at a high street fast food chain at the time used to regularly work unsociable hours and so would meet up at ridiculous times of day and night and play this game for hours and hours on end we primarily played four player battle mode interspersed with about 20 races on the wario stadium track the reason why was the jump just before the final turn to the finish line. If someone had a lightning and timed it right, you could send the leader or that one friend who got you last time from last to first in one fell swoop. You used to be able to tell who had the lightning as you would hear a little snigger begin elsewhere in the room as we always tried to remain quiet so they wouldn't notice. That course still gets referenced with those same friends whenever we meet nearly 20 years on. He still has his N64 and we have the occasional rematch evening and it's still as funny as ever. Hopefully the N64 Classic Mini will appear with this on and we can keep the tradition going. I did play this game a lot in four player mode, uh, okay. the races. For uh, six for, months. For the six months that I own it. And sure. <laughs> it was probably the reason why uh, I kept playing it for six months. Yeah, this yeah. was the game... We played with a whole bunch of people together before GoldenEye came out. Yeah, good times. Um, yes, and again, I think we were forg- more forgiving of, of no doubt the performance issues that there were. It was mm. it would run considerably below the 30 frames that it was yeah. optimised to land on, which, as I say, I think it does on Wii and, and Wii U, which is nice. I guess it just means that the yeah they didn't lock the... Um, they allow the processing power of the of the more modern systems to to do the extra grunt work that the N64 just couldn't manage. I'm sure I speak for many listeners and also people on the panel here. It's quite stark when you think about it that the N64 we now think of as this incredibly old, underpowered machine when actually at the time it was the most futuristic, overpowered machine yeah. Yeah. Uh, in many ways. Obviously, Silicon graphics, man. Silicon <laughs> graphics workstation, yeah. Obviously it didn't have CDs and that was an issue, but it was a powerhouse of, of polygons uh, as far as we were concerned at the time. Mm-hmm. And yet time moves on. Joe Bobonobo from the forum says Mario Kart 64, I feel, holds a very particular niche on its system. While Diddy Kong Racing had a long, involved single player campaign, Mario Kart excelled at four player multiplayer. 
The hours of fun me and my friends had at Balloon Battle alone makes this title a near and dear memory for me. I've certainly enjoyed future titles in the series, but it was the N64 game that perfected that mode for me with its small and tight arenas so that you were never far from your victim or attacker. I feel the four controller ports of the N64 which enabled such a fun multiplayer experience was vital for both the system and Mario Kart 64's legacy and success. While it never had the immense sales of and success of the PlayStation, it was these sorts of unique experiences that other consoles were not providing at the time without the help of multi-tap accessories that ensured that the N64 will be remembered with immense fondness by many. Yeah, I think, uh, Leah, you talk about, you know, the dorm thing. I think uh, maybe... I mean, I get you know. I guess uh, people are gaming in their dorms now. I guess the Switch is probably a bit of a hit in twenty seventeen with students and I, whatever I else. I think but- so. I mean, it's less about the specific system, I think, and more about getting yeah. people together to do something that you know is is going to be fun for more than you know one person at a time. And this yeah. this was kind of a right place, right time kind of thing for Free me. Internet, yeah, really, uh-huh. uh, or just about. And so I I certainly have heard any number of anecdotes about. Particularly, obviously, there were lots of PlayStations, uh, fewer Saturns, but it sounds like the N64 really was the kind of the dorm winner of the of the mid to late nineties. Mm-hmm. Just because, mm. and and it's exactly what Joe Bono was saying there. It's that four joystick ports, no multi tap required kind of thing. It was uh, great foresight from Nintendo. That idea got sort of carried on with the original Xbox and Halo and the GameCube and Super Smash Bros. Melee later on. Yeah. So we've already mentioned time trialing a little and the glitches and unplanned shortcuts, but I just wanted to talk about uh, the scene a, a little, I suppose. I'm not you know, hugely familiar with it. I've done a little bit of, uh, of re-research, but world records are still being set uh, right up until uh, this year. New world records are being set on, on Mario Kart 64, Luigi Raceway. There was a new record set as recently as the 12th of July. Wow. Obviously, the uh, I think there are probably some records that are legit and some which incorporate the use of the aforementioned glitching, where you basically trick Lakitu into, well, the game, into thinking that you've done more laps than you have by going round in a circle, for instance. Is it the one at the start of Frappe Snowland where you pretty much reverse over yeah. the line and then fall into the water in a in a very particular place and he pop, pops you back just on the track about 50 also yards from the line? DK, <laughs> if you reverse, if you go round the pole, reverse mm. down... You fall down the the, the mudslide hill in the cave, cavern. If you fall down, Lacazette oh, puts yeah. you back up behind the the start line, and then that's lap two. So you just keep doing that. There were a lot of gaps in yeah, polygons. It is mm-hmm. a, a literal kind of abusing the system. Like you know, there, there's a there's a loophole there, and we're gonna you know abuse it. And um, Royal Raceway had one where you, where you jumped off the ramp at a certain angle, and you hit yeah. the mountainside that was or the hillside that's you know where you shouldn't be. And again. In yeah, a very, in a very specific, specific spot. spot, and you tumble down into the water, and lap mm. two just put you back into a spot where you know it was lap two, and you're like, "This is crazy." Now, my fondest memory of time trialing, apart from trying to do some of them honestly and learning the turbo cornering to the optimum degree and taking the, the best racing line throughout the entire course and trying to beat my own times, as obviously Leah did as well, was uh, N64 magazine ran a competition. Do you remember this, Darren? Mm. Uh, where it was a set your best Mario circuit time. Mario Raceway time. So they uh, they demanded a videotape of your feet because that's where we were at, VHS tape. Uh, and so I did plug my VHS in to record the channel that was uh, playing the N64. And I kept practicing and kept practicing until I managed to do 
the three laps consecutively with the hop over not just the easy part of the wall but the hard mm. part of the wall because there's like a T there's a, a wall of that forms a T and there's a there's a short hop over it which takes out one big corner or there's a, a is an even bigger hop where you kind of go into minus yeah. land or whatever and you and you reappear um, coming up towards the sort of the the latter part of the circuit, it was interesting that this game. If you press R on the title screen, it always brings up your Mario Raceway time. Mm-hmm. And I've seen it speculated that that was essentially a way of the developers saying, "Look, you're going to have a lot of fun if you actually get into time trialing this game because that's where, in some ways, like the real meat of it lies away from the the party fun of the multiplayer and the the brief shenanigans of of the single player actually time trialing is like where where the uh, where the main course is and um and I certainly yeah got a lot out of uh, out of that and I kept that video to I didn't send it in because my time was too uh, too far short. They also they had um, they had two separate times. Of course, they had the PAL time and the NTSC time because they were different. I'm not sure whether it's harder or easier to do the shortcuts on the PAL version because although it's slower, it's also slightly less responsive. So swings and roundabouts and all that. But um, I have great memories of of that. But that was the only one that I wanted to do the glitch on because it, it although it was illegitimate, it felt like it was something that people it required a lot of skill it wasn't just about it wasn't just about glitching the game it was about executing this really difficult thing over and over again my time trialing um efforts at that time went into wave race 64 that was the case because the waves in wave race were your obstacle as opposed to an actual course if you know what i mean and well this isn't the wave race show but getting the feel for manipulating your jet ski over the waves was just so much more appealing to me than Skid mark, you know, uh, power skid marking, um, power sliding around the track. Uh, I saved all my glitches and my power sliding for um, for multiplayer. But if I ever was to go time trialing, mm. it was Wave Race. The two Mario Kart games where I used some time trial or played time trial in the most were the original and Mario Kart DS. Those were just felt right for me to try and shave off seconds. You know, do the regular fanatical time trial thing. Given your response to this game, there's no way you would have been uh, desperate to to uh, shave off seconds off yeah. your time and whatever. But uh, did you share ghost data back in the day or not? You could uh, transfer yeah. your ghosts and yeah. take them to somebody else's house, but they would take a huge amount of blocks <laughs> yeah. up on your memory card. So you basically had to re- uh, reserve yeah. one one full memory pack just for ghost data. <laughs> that was yeah. The thing. yeah. It was completely impractical. Yeah. Yes, different different world for sure. Yeah, my favorite controller pack use was still the ability to uh, actually synchronize or merge your high score and time attack tables on Wave Race sixty four, which was genius. <laughs> yeah, that's great. So, Leah, you you did a certain amount of this, so I, yeah. I didn't quite get a sense of how much did you do the legit stuff and how that just got really good, and how much did you do the. I was mostly the on the getting really good side, and I will not. That's. I was not really, really good, I, but um, yeah. I, I, I didn't do much in the way of, um, of glitching. Um, I, I know that there are some shortcuts that are actually legitimately built into the game, and I did use those, but I'm not sure whether it's just because I didn't want to use them, or I think it's almost more likely that I didn't really know about them. Most of what I did was just trying to get really good at the cornering and the uh, the kind of drifting and cutting everything as close as you possibly can uh, in order to get that time down a little bit more. Yeah, one thing, another thing that I ju- just struck me again uh, that we didn't mention when talking about the single player was um, one of the sort of curios or, or just things that dates the Super Mario Kart single player was, if you recall, we were talking about the uh, the continue 
aspect um, in that mm. you have a number mm-hmm. of lives to complete the game, basically, because it was the early 90s. But by this point, five years further down the line, if you finish outside the top four, you can just can retry it as many times as you want. But of course, later in the series, it does away with that as well. And you just get, as with a real, you know, MotoGP or whatever, you just get fewer points the further down the ladder you come. Whether you want to carry on or not is uh, is entirely up to you. Most of the sort of Easter eggs and secrets and things we've sort of covered because they're the various uh, shortcuts and glitches. But one very interesting curio that I don't think anybody knows whether it was left in intentionally or whether it's just a mathematical oddity is if you leave a race after you've run it, you've got the screen with the results and the two windows displaying action. If you leave that while the tune loops 64 times, you get an extra bit of music on the 64th play. <laughs> so it's out there. You can you can YouTube it. More from the forum. Unsurprisingly, we had quite a lot of correspondence in this 10 million selling Mario Kart game. Dick Turner 13 <laughs> says, I loved Super Nintendo, Super Mario Kart. Me and a good mate used to spend a lot of time in the mid 90s playing it in the evening whilst chatting and listening to music. We always described that kind of nirvana you would reach when you were playing at your optimum level, yet thinking of something totally different, playing on autopilot, as it were. But then hardware and software moved on and along came the N64 and Mario Kart 64. My personal feelings about this game was that it added too much. The 3D tracks seemed a lot wider and suddenly the game wasn't about racing, cutting corners and power-ups, but something something more vicious. I felt it lost a lot of the fun of the original game. It became a lot more serious and for Nintendo cartoony games, I really couldn't get on with what it had become. It lost everything about Mario Kart to me. Mario Kart on a SNES was an incredible once-in-a-lifetime game. Mario Kart 64 just didn't really cut it. I really didn't like it. That's a really interesting take uh, by Nick on it. He he hints at something really sinister within the game. <laughs> it's almost unsettling. <laughs> yeah, I didn't find it sinister. No. Uh, I still I still definitely thought it was fun. The little yeah. you know, especially yeah. one of the was it Yoshi pretty much licked his eyes when he wins with his his rendered. Oh yeah, uh, yeah, his yeah he does thing. have a weird Maybe. animation. <laughs> that yeah. does sound horrifying. Y- yeah. Yoshi's creepy. I <laughs> what? Uh huh. You heard me. No way. That Yoshi tongue is is designed for birdos. Um, it's everybody something. Knows it. <laughs> Be careful, Lee. I already upset Leon last time talking talking. Uh, trash uh, talking Yoshi. Tr- trash toad. talking uh, Toad. I was yeah. uh, last time. Yeah. Toad and Yoshi are my two favorites. Oh, the rest, well, the, that, the rest can all go to hell. You can you can tell a lot about a person by who their favorite Nintendo <laughs> characters are. Captain Toad yeah. and Yoshi. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay. mine, mine is mine is Wario. Go figure. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. Garlic breath. <laughs> <laughs> Any if it's if if it's Tingle or Waluigi, you're fired. Oh, see ya. No. Darren. <laughs> <laughs> I'm with I'm with Darren also. I'll I'll see myself out. Darren's my favorite <laughs> Nintendo character. Matten's Y from the forum says Mario Kart 64 was one of the first games I played on Nintendo 64. I was still struggling with the analog stick, but was impressed by the graphics. While I've had a hard time with Super Mario Kart for the Super Nintendo, Mario Kart 64 felt a bit easier thanks to the improved graphics. I could actually see where the track was going. Turns and corners weren't just popping up out of nowhere. Playing the game recently, I think it hasn't aged as well as its competitors, Diddy Kong Racing, and especially the still brilliant Crash Team Racing. The graphics aren't that 3D anymore. Some of the racing tracks are quite dull and ugly, and I would have loved an adventure mode. Still, I prefer Mario Kart 64 over Mario Kart Double Dash and Mario Kart Wii. Me too. Everyone's got their favourites. Everyone's got their favourite Mario Kart. 
many of our uh, Twitter followers over at Cana Rince have elected to attempt to sum up their feelings of Mario Kart 64 in just three little words. Eric Mikols says, not so super. Christopher Chern says, blue shell horror. Lucy McCall says, cute and infuriating. And Chris Smith says, no Koopa Trooper and I feel his pain. <laughs> Curly hooligan, barrier jumping <laughs> technique. John Solomon, genuinely astounding shortcut. Spencer Saunders says, wonderful sound design. And Andrew Brown says, drifting royal raceway. Craigity Craig says, toads turnpike mirrored. Denton Murillo says, pop those balloons. The Tiege says, hop and glory. Kurt Peterson, colossal Garth cartridge. Will Overton, Hughes Shortcut. And Ashley Day, Perfect Party Game. Yes, that was Will Overton of uh, Superplay Art and uh, Rare Rareware fame. Thank you, Will. And Ashley as well, Games TM editor. Former Games TM editor, I should say. Yeah, uh, there's an, brought to mind another thing that I wanted to mention there. Craigity Craig's Toad's Turnpike Mirrored, or Canopio Highway, of course, is another one of the little quirks of the game because the other tracks are all just simply mirrored. Whereas at Toad's Turnpike Mirrored, the traffic comes mm. at you rather than away from you. And it's actually one of the few points in the game where I think one of the, the things we all associate with modern Mario Karts is that sequence where you get completely done over, over and over again <laughs> by everything and knocked off the track and spammed and you can't get back into it and you can't drive off and everything's horrible and it's really frustrating. There's a great, there's a great yeah, I think it's it a GIF actually, which is a, a, a Mario Kart Wii mm. guy on the bridge at the end of, of a race where he's leading comfortably and he gets out, everyone kills him with something and knocks him off the bridge. Mario Kart Wii is horrible for that. Yeah, but uh, Toad's Turnpike, you can actually end up getting uh, beamed by the traffic over and over and over and over again until the particular sequence of traffic stops. And that's not so much fun. But uh, but it was still a cool feature, I think, that they actually mm. twisted that round for the, for the mirror mode. So fair play. To summarise Mario Kart 64, uh, we tried to go, in case people haven't picked this up, uh, roughly roughly about there or thereabouts in the reverse order of how much we like Mario Kart 64. I'm not sure we've got that right this time, but certainly we'll start with McKeel who definitely is the least favourable. The negative Nancy of this episode. <laughs> yes, and that's fine. You're <laughs> the, nays the naysayer. You clearly represent a number of our listeners. So. Black Dust versus Tweak. Mario Kart 64 turned out to be a bit of a disappointment to me. And the reason why I didn't immediately get rid of it was the fantastic multiplayer fun I was having with a bunch of friends with it. So over the course of six months, by the time Diddy Kong Racing rolled on, I sold off Mario Kart 64 finally to get that game instead. Everything that really bothered me about it was a lot, actually. It was the track designs. It was uh, the, the weird handling of the game. Maybe more than anything else, the uh, aesthetics, uh, which were, yeah, outright offensive <laughs> to my eyes. Uh, <laughs> this is really strange because I was... When we were uh, speaking about Mario Kart 64 before we actually started recording, I was saying how it was my least favorite Mario Kart game. Mm. But maybe Mario Kart Wii uh, actually uh, fights uh, with it over that, that spot uh, in my personal rank Mario Kart ranking list. But for other reasons, I mean, Mario Kart uh, Wii might look a bit milquetoast and a bit safe, but it's not as horrifying to look at for me. It's a game that I sold off and I was never tempted to return to and I'm gladly living my life without <laughs> it. And that's probably the only game in the whole series that ha ever had that effect on me. Uh, 
some people hate Double Dash, compare it unfavorably to Mario Kart uh, 64, but that's where a lot of things that I started liking again mm-hmm. about the Mario Kart games uh, started popping up in. And I actually really like the, f- the fairground thrill ride uh, level, level designs of, uh, of those games. Uh, I, fi- I felt that fit the series very well. Mario Kart 64 was just kind of, kind of dull to me, especially in single player. Fair enough. Darren, how about you? You like it. I do like it, but for very (laughs) specific reasons. Like, I like how the game handles, but I don't really like how the game looks and how the game... The aesthetic for me just doesn't work at all. But, you know, the, the... I played it for ages because when you're going at 150cc and you're pelting around courses, we're using, you know, as many boosts as you can. There is, there is a fun game there and it is, well, it was worth playing. Um, If I was to play it nowadays, it'd purely be out of nostalgia. And I think the last time we did play it was probably when we all met up or at my stag do one of those two things. Uh, You know, it was, it was, it's always purely curio for nostalgia. I wouldn't go back to it as a mm-hmm. as a serious. Oh yeah, let's play some Mario Kart sixty four because I do feel like the, se- the the series has gone from strength to strength. You know, with a few misses in between. Mario Kart sixty four. It was in my library for a long time because it filled a, a void where Diddy Kong Racing didn't. That's the only reason why it was there. Like the battle mode for me and the three. Well, I played it as three player because I only had two friends. The fourth quarter of my screen was just a map, which was like the most boring friend of all time. But uh, yeah, it was fun. It, it wasn't amazing. Um, I'm, I don't regret buying it because, you know, running home as a 14 year old going, I've got Mario Kart 64 was one of the best things to ever happen to me in that time. It was amazing getting an N64 and Mario Kart 64. Like who would who wouldn't love that forever? But would I go back to it now? Like I said, probably not. Fair enough. I really like this ugly old, weird handling, peculiar, (laughs) slightly grotty Mario Kart. Um, Yeah, I I think it's partly, it's always context in the sense that, you know, maybe when it came out and the way I bought it and the friends I had to play it with at the time and all that kind of thing mean that my my affection for this game is uh, definitely intertwined with nostalgia. It's one of those ones that when I do go back and play it on virtual console now, whatever, because I sold my N64 some years ago, and uh, and I'm, I was genuinely excited to finally get the, the 60 hertz version on the Wii U virtual console. It was really good to play it through this time. And yeah, that's what I'm kind of coming to. Like as much as each time I think I'm about going back to it, I think, oh, it's going to look even ropier this time. And it's going to feel even weirder after the silky, smooth and stunning looking Mario Kart 8 DX on Switch. And that's the version that if anyone said to me now, which Mario Kart should I play? Like, I'm sure there are some absolute purists who would say go straight to the Super Nintendo version on the on the mini classic or, or virtual console or 3DS virtual console. And some people might, you know, seek out. Everyone's got a different favorite, right? Mario Kart. And I'm not sure, as I said, I'm not sure which my favorite of the Mario Kart series actually is. I like a lot of them, albeit all in different ways. But this is probably the one that I played for the longest. I played it, as I say, in multiplayer for around five to six years. When I do boot it up again, I still end up having a really good time after thinking it's going to be increasingly ropey each time I play it. The more I play it, the more I get back into that very particular handling and the more I actually think, oh, I could really get into time trialing these circuits all over again. So, yeah, it's an odd one for me. I, I wouldn't recommend that people seek it out for the first time now. I think it would look absolutely horrendous and probably feel just as bad. Um, but to those of us who are there, uh, I've got a lot of affection for this uh, for this very silly, weird, cranky old game. Uh, let's conclude with Leah. So, <laughs> a lot 
a lot of the things that uh, that Leon you just said um, are very similar to how I feel about this. I I don't think that it's the best Mario Kart game. That's probably eight. And if I were going to sit down and play a Mario Kart game with a friend now or a couple of friends now, it would probably be eight. But this is pretty high up there for me. I really, really like this game. And I I was afraid coming into this, um, as I am with a fair number of the uh, the games that we play for Kane and Rinse, I, I was kind of afraid that nostalgia was going to be the larger part of this. And it's it's certainly a part of this. It's a very large part of this, but it might not be the only part of this because when I've been playing it, and, you know, not even with other people, just by myself more recently, as as recently as today, uh, you know, going through some of the tracks, I still really like this game. And I don't think mm. that it 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 fails completely. It is it is definitely aged, but I don't think that anybody coming in and trying to play it again now would necessarily have just a, a horrible time. I, I think that it's still a good game. And while it might not be a good modern game, there's a lot to like about it. And I still do like it a lot. I don't know if I can recommend that somebody go out and try and play this for the first time. I will say that if you haven't played it in a while and you did play it back when it first came out, it's worth, you know, the you can probably get it for less than $10 at this point, I would say, on one of the virtual consoles that it is oh, yeah. uh, that it is on. If you have that available, uh, it's it's a fun exercise to go back and see where all of this came from. Uh, and again, it's not the first in the series, uh, it, but it it introduces a lot of things and it has a lot of ideas that I think really do hold up. So I I am not going to be quick to just dismiss it as nostalgia because I don't think that's all it is. I'm not sure if this is my favorite Mario. It's between this and eight because eight's really good, but I this is two. This is two. So I guess I'll say they're they're both very high up there for me. All right. So it just remains for me, Leon, to thank Darren, Leah and Mikhail, as well as our correspondents and to all of you for listening. And remember, if you've enjoyed this podcast and our other shows, please do consider heading to our Patreon page, patreon.com slash rinse and help us out with that donation of a minimum of a dollar a month or more if you can and uh, we will love you forever it also remains for me to tell you that next time in issue 299 we'll be going back and looking at the original infinity ward call of duty (laughs) 